Um, well, wow. <laughs> thank you, Ed, Father. Thank you, Holly. I can't help but wonder what the significance is of all the thunder and lightning tonight. <laughs> Let me tell you a little about myself. I'm the fifth of seven siblings, and we were a close family growing up. Some of my memories include our morning and night prayers, and I do remember the mornings were often rushed. But the night prayers were always with a red vigilite or a blue vigilite, and if we were really lucky, we had got to have them both. And we'd kneel before a bookcase on which stood a sacred heart statue of Mary and of Jesus that was a wedding present to my parents. At Christmas time, the stable was the first thing to ever come out, and so it was very special. So we did get to use the red vigilite and the blue vigilite. And I just remember that with the Christmas lights as a family, as a being a very holy time. I've been married to my high school sweetheart, my husband, Jeff, nearly 40 years, and I can hardly believe that. And we've been very blessed with a daughter and a son and a total of five wonderful grandchildren. When Carol first asked me to give this talk, I wondered what could I possibly talk about? I even had a friend ask me, what'd they ask you for? And believe me, I was asking myself the same thing. I don't think I've had any more than the usual amount of crisis or drama or pain in my life than anyone else. I didn't think I could even come up with a topic, but I truly believe everyone has a story to tell. We are forever growing as we celebrate the centennial of St. Ludmilla's Church. We at St. Ludmilla's welcome all of you this evening as we come to the conclusion of our celebration. We all come here on the shoulders of those who have preceded us. We are responsible to and for each other. The priests, the sisters, and the deacons in our church are a gift to us because they have a deeper insight in how to follow our Catholic faith. We grow in our faith journey through them, but have you ever considered they also grow in their faith journey through us? We then have a large responsibility to grant them the respect and assistance they need in their own faith journey. Deacon Jim Berger once had a homily about the church walls not being of stone, but of the shoulders of those who have come before us, those who have supported us. We're part of stories told by our grandparents, our parents. We tell jokes, we share information. All our thoughts, words, and actions are from someone else or something else. What we have read, what we've been told or have learned, it's all taken from other people's life experiences. We're making our own story, our children's story, our grandchildren's, and some of you may even have great-grandchildren, and their journey is just beginning. It is so very important for us as parents and grandparents to help our children find Jesus in their story. So this is part of my story. Here I am, Lord. I've heard you calling. I will go if you lead me. There were two topics I considered sharing with you, a faith-filled life, and the other was letting go of anger, moving beyond pain. I wanted so much to share with you, 
Not only the deep faith my parents had, but also a lesson I have learned along the way. I went back and forth before I came to the realization that leading a faith-filled life and letting go are not necessarily exclusive of the other. I've only recently begun to understand and appreciate what that means. And of course, the older I get, the wiser I get, at least I think so. Not sure my family would agree. Good morning, Jesus. Bless my day. Make me a better child today. In my work and in my play, Jesus, teach me how to pray. That was the morning prayer we were taught, and I've said from as early as I can remember. What simple words. When you're little, you're taught good from bad, right from wrong. But somewhere in your adult life, you're just supposed to know those things, do those things. But sometimes we don't. My mother didn't have an easy childhood. When her mother came from Czechoslovakia in 1922, she somehow lost her way in her Catholic faith. My grandma, my bubby, died when my mother was only eight, leaving her and a three-year-old brother. My Geda, my grandfather, didn't think he could raise two small children on his own, and he made arrangements for them to go to an orphanage in Lyle, Illinois. I didn't know this until my mother wrote her biography. And when I read that, it also said she remembered weeping and pleading with him to please not do that. And eventually he brought his own mother from Missouri to help raise them, where she instilled in the whole family and all of them a very deep faith. I didn't know that the Geda that I only knew as loving and kind and gentle that he carried this anger and the depression. It haunted him for many years. My mother said not until grandchildren came did he begin to change. She never knew what changed him. Perhaps it was the realization of lost time. We all get angry and we lose valuable time when we are. We can feel anger that is caused by a variety of different reasons. Loss of spouse, loss of jobs, disappointments in friends, in children, in relationships, in the church. The people of God are the church. And it is because of that weakness of that human component Occasionally, there is the presence of sin, but we must not allow it to shake the core of our faith or our belief in the Catholic Church. We disagree with our siblings when we're young and adult. As adults, my family had some real whoppers. We think of sin as some abhorrent evil, but sometimes it's just missing the mark. You aim for the bullseye, but you defer one side or the other. And sometimes we forget there's a target at all. We feel angry when illness is dealt to us or to those we love. My mother had Parkinson's, which is a cruel disease. And I watched my strong hero, my dad, leave us to the world of Alzheimer's. My parents were some of the most devout Catholics I know. 
And my mother held that faith to the very end, and it brought her incredible peace. She could do nothing for herself, was losing every sense of physical self, but she kept knowing and believing that she would get through this disease somehow, and that knowledge and understanding and faith gave her incredible peace. She knew that somehow, someday, she would come out on the other side. She once said when she was lonely, she would sing to herself, all the verses of Jesus, Jesus, come to me. That's an old hymn we hardly ever hear anymore. I think it had a lot of verses, and I'm pretty sure she knew them all. I could hardly bear the thought of her being lonely. When my dad left us for the world of Alzheimer's, he would often revert to his native language, and he would pray the rosary in Czech, even in his sleep. His faith was so deeply ingrained and it brought peace to his world. Have you ever felt disappointment, frustration at every turn? That can develop into anger. When driving home after leaving my parents, often I was very upset, frustrated, angry that they had to endure this illness after living so long a blessed life. It was so heartbreakingly sad, and in my eyes, unfair. My mother always said, the more we suffer here on earth, the sooner we get to heaven. I think that's true. When I reminded her of that phrase later on, she smirked, looked at me and said, I hope to hell I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> As difficult as some of that time was, I wouldn't trade that blessed time or the memories it gave me. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Another time, Deacon Jim had a wonderful homily about Christ taking our feet to places we do not want to go. That was really enlightening for me. We have all had to go down roads that we would really rather not. Sickness loss of loved ones. The things that happen to us and how we deal with them makes us who we are. This virtual roller coaster of life and all its ups and downs causes growth in us. It defines who we are as a person. The knowledge that we gain and the insight of those emotion and understanding and managing all those changes is only something we can learn from experience along the way. And it is in those times of despair that we must learn to let go, let God. My mother often said, let go, let God. And I wondered, let God do what? But the answer I have found in the ringing silence is, let God lead me, guide me. Guard my thoughts and words aloud and in my heart. Let God calm me. Bring peace to my mind and heart. Let God claim me. Even Jesus got angry in the temple. We all know that story. They had made the house of God into a den of thieves. And I remember in high school 
being told to imagine Jesus as a man being truly angry, and it was a foreign concept for me. It was really hard to imagine Jesus being angry. I remember being told the story of Mary and Joseph when they lost Jesus and then found him in the temple. Having been lost in the grocery store sometime before, I asked my mother if Joseph and Mary were mad at Jesus. And I remember her smiling and saying, they might have been upset that he didn't stay right beside them as he had been told. And I could not imagine Mary and Joseph upset with Jesus. But can you imagine the fear, the anger they must have felt while searching for him for three days? Only to be told, you should have known where I was. And that sounds like my grandson. I can only imagine the angst that Mary and Joseph went through for three days. And in Luke chapter 2 verse 41 it says, And Mary held all these things in her heart. I believe many of the stories we hear in the Bible can be a parallel to many things in our own life. How often have we wandered and wondered when the end would be in sight for us? Anger can be energizing. It can be constructive. Anger can be used to make things right. It can be the platform that a lot of good comes from. Anger at poverty, segregation, injustice, cruelty. That anger has brought about many changes for the better good in our society. But anger can also be destructive. There's a contagious energy that we can get from anger. I believe we've all experienced it. We've all seen it. How does a person move beyond that? Sometimes when someone's asked to be accountable, they say, that's who I was before. That was then. I didn't know. I didn't understand. But the amazing thing is, God loves us all. God loves us all unconditionally, but we are still responsible for our own actions. He tells us, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. But each of us must still be held responsible for our own behavior and the choices that we make. I have often heard someone say, how could God let this happen? How can God do this to me? How can God allow these things or do these things? And my Geta always simply answered, it's because we're not in heaven yet. But I think there's more to it than that. God does not do these things. He doesn't cause things to happen. We do things to each other or cause things to happen to us. And sometimes things just happen or develop into circumstances beyond our control, beyond our understanding. God doesn't want us to suffer. He doesn't make us suffer. He's the God of life, the God of goodness. He is the God of life, and we may be asked to carry our cross but we must remember that Jesus walks with us, beside us. He suffers with us. It is how we deal with sorrow and pain that defines us. 
Father Richard Rohr said, Jesus takes on our pain. He feels our suffering and he suffers with us. I think suffering is necessary to teach us how to love one another. When someone shares the pain they are in, or you share your sorrow with a friend, don't you feel closer to them? I believe compassion is formed from shared pain as well as shared joy. And suffering is part of everyday life. It is through this that we learn to love one another. It is then we are called, we are chosen to love tenderly, to serve one another, to walk humbly with God. Anger can consume us for a long time if we allow it to. Your thoughts and words come quicker and seem clearer than anything you've ever tried to communicate before. You can mistakenly feel you have a sense of clarity. If that person won't listen to me, I'll find somebody else who will, because I'm right. Have you ever really, really been angry with yourself? That can be the most destructive of all. My siblings and I were very close growing up. My dad thought it was important to take a family vacation every year for three to four weeks. We took some wonderful camping trips to Niagara Falls, to Canada, to the Great Lakes, to the Rockies. We enjoyed each other and we were each other's best friends. But as we grew into adults and became more individual, we each had our own ideas, and especially when it came time to care for our parents. Everyone had a different idea of what was right, and each person wanted those ideas to prevail. It tore us apart. My sisters and I are notorious for wanting the last word. You know how those conversations go. Okay, 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 okay! Is the damage irreparable? I don't know. I can only hope and pray that we find our way back to better times. Today we have so many forms of communication. The quaint, archaic telephone. Mailing a letter is almost obsolete. It's much quicker to text, Facebook, tweet, but for me, there is some, that somewhat outdated, troublesome email. My siblings and I had email wars. You can do horrible things. You can block a sender. You can unfriend somebody on Facebook. You can really be a bully. Have you ever sent an email to the wrong person? Or hit respond to all, only to find you really shouldn't have? Worse yet, you really didn't mean to? I've done that more than once or twice. I have that incredible blend of bohemian pride, stubbornness, and temperament. It's so easy to bang out your emotions and hit send and say things to someone that we would never have said to that person's face. It's easy to say to yourself, I don't care. It had to be said. And all that energy, all that hype, all my blood pressure, all wasted, what does it get me? Usually a response in kind. 
more verbal sparring, better delivered, and then we go for round two. We said horrible things to each other. And once those words are out there, you can't take them back, no matter how hard you try. Doesn't that sound like a lot of wasted time and energy? If only we could use that strength towards something more useful. We can turn that momentum into prayer. When we're hitting a dead end, a brick wall, turn that emotion inward and you'll be surprised at the strength that can come from that. Sometimes I can't even find the words I want for prayer, but I have said, God, my Father, you know what's in my heart. Jesus, you see the mess in my head. Holy Spirit, give me strength, please. To come to a peaceful, faith-filled life demands growth in our personal lives, and with that growth often comes pain. Letting go of my anger can be painful. Sometimes just backing away from that email was really hard. It was painful. Writing this talk sometimes was very painful. Leaving an argument can be painful. It's hard. And as surely as the sun will rise tomorrow, we'll all experience pain all our lives. There will be sadness, longing, hurt, loss, suffering, always, always. Some of my family members continue to search for faith in their own way. Because I was raised Catholic and buried my roots in the Catholic beliefs, it's hard for me to witness their search. It's painful for me to let go. It is painful for them to grow in their own way. It's hard to witness someone who has faith, but the faith falls to the side and suffers because of our busy lives or disappointments. My son still questions and searches for meaning. His family often participates at another type of church, and this was a totally unexpected change in my life. It's painful for both of us. It is not my choice, nor my life. All I can do is try to be understanding and kind. Though I am saddened, it is not my place to be criticizing or demanding. I can only pray for his guidance as well as my own and in what I say. I know I am blessed that he still has faith and is still continuing that journey. I must give them credit that they do pray together as a family and grow faithfully, even if it's not the path I wish they had chosen. My son-in-law only recently has found his faith in the Catholic Church. His faith still searches, questions, and blossoms. My son and son-in-law are both growing in their faith journey, searching for knowledge, fortitude, understanding, wisdom, piety, counsel, and trust in the Lord. Many paths lead us to God, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit. I believe the Paschal mystery of Christ's death can also help us understand the deaths we suffer in our own lives. I don't mean a physical death, but to give up, to give in to what Christ asks of us. You can begin to comprehend the feeling of the person I was before. And it is then that we evolve 
we suffer, we change. And once we come to that realization, that new chain of thought, there is no going back. We might want to, might try to, but we're awakened to a heightened sense of clarity. One day I was sitting with my feet, toasting by my space heater, listening to some music, so relaxed, content. I emailed my daughter and told her I was more at peace than I ever deserved to be. And as soon as I hit send, the overwhelming feeling descended upon me of, what's gonna happen next? And don't we all know that feeling? It's always something. When you hear that phrase, it's always something, that something is usually not a good thing. It is inevitable that things will always come along to upset our life, and it is painful. But if I know that and acknowledge that will always happen all my life, that helps me look beyond the now, look beyond the bread you eat. Look beyond and know that somehow I will get through this painful development. And to know I have to let go is to die to part of myself, to give in to the inevitable. It is out of my hands. And just to know that and acknowledge that fact alone is growth. That growth, although painful, can bring on a new awareness of self. We must give in to death and die and let go so that we can rise to something new again. Living a faith-filled life gives us that peace. It enables us to grow, endure, and die to ourselves so that we might come back to life in a different sense. Perhaps my relationship with God will grow, or my understanding of someone or a situation will progress to a new level, a heightened level of awareness and acceptance. Everyone has their own conversion at different times. And even if we are fortunate enough to have experienced a movement forward in our faith, if we do nothing to keep it moving, to keep it alive, we become stagnant. It's easier to become complacent. We are creatures of habit. It's easy to skip mass. God doesn't really need to hear my confession. He knows I'm sorry. We might begin to ask ourselves, are the sacraments really that important in my life? The sacraments are a cornerstone to the Catholic Church. They are indeed a gift and important in our lives. I remember discussing the sacrament of reconciliation with my sister one time, and we were discussing the relevancy in today's society and we came to the conclusion that the acknowledgement to ourselves of our sin and then doing the, facing another human being, perhaps that humility is part of our reparation with Christ. My son's first reconciliation was the first I had gone to in many years. And he said to me, now mom, don't you feel like your soul is pure white? It's pure white, you've released all those sins. And there is a lightening of spirit when you participate. It's like letting go of heavy baggage. There is a relief. Of course, we go out and get load, load back up again. I believe in the sacrament of the Eucharist and that it does become the body of Christ through consecration. 
It took me a long time to believe that, and in my very simple way, even remotely understand that. My grandson came home in first grade with the incredulous, innocent discovery that God is in everything. God made everything, everything. The grass, the sky, even this rock, everything, Grandma. So then, is not everything holy? That brought to me the realization that holiness is all around us. I'm constantly amazed at what I still learn from the blessed innocence of young ones. We encounter holiness every day. The blessed love we obtain in the union of loved ones, the true compassionate love we have for our family, our children, our grandchildren, our pets, is that not blessed by God? When you look at the sky and the pure, glistening new snow, you can feel the holiness all around you in the gifts of God. And even if we experience that step forward in our faith, it's hard to keep that fire, that light of faith burning. It can be easier to keep our anger and passivity raging. As my mother would say, the devil is strong and he is laughing. And if that didn't scare me then, well, actually, it still scares me today because I truly believe it. Satan seeks to destroy families and to destroy the blessed love we have for one another and to destroy the peace on our earth. The things that separate us, my siblings and I, anger, envy, greed, resentment, those are things of the evil one. It would break my mother's heart. And I have no doubt my dad would want to give each one of us a smack. Yathidam lepak. That meant you better duck. Lifting yourself above such things, this new awareness of self is like our resurrection. Our rising after the pain. After surrendering ourselves to acceptance, a new awareness of self. Then I can look back on the person I was before. The whole process is an evolution, to progress to a better self, a calmer, more accepting, peaceful self. I watched my mother's evolution almost daily. The harder things got for her, she couldn't swallow, she could barely speak. The more at peace and acceptance she became. The knowledge that we gain, the insight of understanding that evolution, that change, and managing our anger and frustration is only something we learn from experience along the way. And we have to keep practicing it, like piano, every day. Every tiny frustration, every day, every disappointment demands our attention. Stuck in traffic, that's a big one for me that annoying person I have to work with. Why was my newspaper late today? And often I still know it's not easy. I'm in no way perfect. But if I continue to try and remind myself to let go, let God claim me, it becomes more of a habit. I have a worn, discolored plaque in my kitchen that says, Lord, give me patience, but hurry. And I feel that is so true in my life. Slow down. Let go. I would like to share with you a song called Blessings. I'd like you to listen carefully to the words. 
There's much we pray for and ask for, but do we listen for the answer?
Thank you, Holly. We're not in heaven yet. What if it feels like it takes a thousand sleepless nights to know you are near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Perhaps the healing does come through our tears. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it states, Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. I'd like to close with an evening prayer that we were also taught and my grandchildren say every night. Good night, baby Jesus, and blessed Mother Mary and Daddy St. Joseph. Thank you for taking care of me. Please take care of me again tomorrow. Blessings and peace to all of you. I pray this evening has touched you in some way. Thank you, and have a wonderful evening.